Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm the host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I like to invite guests who have had some kind of history around finding their voice, whether it was a struggle early in childhood or whether something happened along the way. You know, there's always something that goes on when you're trying to get along with other youngsters early on in school. You know, there's sometimes bullying or competition, and then you move into high school and then Finally, out into the work world or some world, I don't know. That's what we're going to find out today from our guest, Cedric Crumley. And let me introduce you to him. He went into the Army when he was still a teenager. Well, that's going to be a whole different story than I've been able to tell so far on the show. So after 20 years in uniform, he hung up his boots and started a new chapter in life. So we've got the background of something, you know, like how he made that choice to go in the army, but then to be ensconced in it for so long and then to leave a whole 20 years behind and move out into the world. He says one of his biggest thrills was being retired at a young age, and he's taken up what he's learned and is now the author of Proven Sales and Recruiting Methods. So welcome. Cedric, I'm so happy that we get to share some time together. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Doreen. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Yes. Well, let's see. I, I'm curious, where did you grow up? So I grew up in a small town called Albany, Georgia. That's why you have such a wonderful accent. Thank you. you yeah, you always make mention of my accent. That's pretty cool. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. So Albany, Georgia, and there you are. Which child were you? What? What? Uh, so I, I, I'm the I'm the oldest of, of of two. I have a younger sister, and so I was. I think I was 13 before my sister was born. So for a long time, I was the only child. For a very long time. Yeah, and then. So when a little sister comes into your life, it's almost like at 13 years, it's almost like having your own child. <laughs> yeah, and funny you say that. I, I I always call her, hey, baby, because to me, I, I hope she, maybe she'll hear this or not. But yeah, to me, she is like a child. I mean, she's like my child. I mean, I love her dearly. She's my sister, boy. I treat her like she's my child. Yeah. Oh, that that is so special to hear. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were the only child and uh, 13G, you're just starting high school. Say a little bit about growing up first in Albany, Georgia, you know, like the first couple of years. So I had an interesting childhood. My dad actually passed away. I think I was like one years old. And so his brothers and sisters they treated me like I was like gold, right? Because when they saw me, they saw their brother. And I got treated special um, on my dad's side. And they always made me, I mean, even my cousin would say, they treated you better than they treated us. So I got this special treatment from them. So growing up, it was different for me. I always felt special. 
when I was around my um, my 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 dad's uh, siblings. And to this day, they still treat me like that. Um, however, growing up, um, I was a little bit odd. Uh, I don't know why, but I always looked at the world different. I um, one thing I did, I read a lot of my mom's books. My mom is a nurse. And I read a lot of her nursing books and it made me question a lot of things. And I, and I think part of the reason why I was odd, I would use words and some of the students would kind of make fun of me. Some of the words I was using. Like um, big words? You like mean? big words. I guess people would call them big words. And also it was just the way I viewed the world. I just viewed the world as a happy place and not everybody views the world as a happy place. You know. Well, you must have had maybe some form of religion because that's, I mean, with a father that had uh, disappeared very, I mean, before you could even almost walk. I mean, you didn't, you probably didn't even know what a father figure could be except for through your uncle. Correct. Right. I didn't, I had no idea what a father figure is until uh, my mom met a man by the name of John Shaw, who became my stepdad. And he's the only father figure I've ever known. And he he just believed me, believed I could do anything. And even when I got older, I would get into trouble. And he would be like, man, you, you're going to be all right. You said you're crumbly. I'm like, what? But I would come, I would overcome it. I'm like, dude, you was right. He just has, I don't know why I can do anything. So, well, that's wonderful to hear that there is some real positive influence because uh, naturally, it seems like who you came into this world to be, mm-hmm. you know, is what we're talking about, that you have an essence, a core of bright spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, even though, uh, you know, even though that was might have been a challenge to uh, not have a father, what time did uh, what what age did Mr. Shaw come into your life? I think I was like. I had to be like seven or eight because he always brings up the fact that we were wrestling. And he always said, man, you would never give up. And I would say, I give, I give. And you would say, give nothing. And he said, I always want to keep wrestling. So I think I was like seven or eight when it came into my life. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah that's a, a good time. But it, it feels like your personality was already formed. And that's what I said a second ago. I know, you know, uh, spirituality, religion is a real strong force to help you uh, cope and believe in yourself. Was that um, any any strong influence there? Oh, definitely. Because I didn't have, you know, like a biological father. So I looked at God and said, hey, will you be my father? And so I just would follow God. Like, hey, you be my father then. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. You hit, nobody has ever connected that. But, yeah, it's pretty what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, this is this is exactly what I was looking for. Uh, our conversation is just to go back and forth and see what comes up spontaneously like this. So there you are, 13, 14, 15, 16. You know, you're in high school. Say a little bit about high school. So high school, funny you should bring it up. So something strange happened when I was in high school. I believe it was between 10th and 11th grade. I was tired of being tall tall and skinny. And I came home one day and I told my mom, hey, I'm tired of being tall. She kind of looked at me like, okay, what do you want me to do? And so seeing my mother (laughs) kind of look at me like that, I actually went to my room and I prayed. And I don't know if there's anything you do about me being tall, but I made up my mind, okay, I want to get more muscle. I want to get bigger. And I prayed for it. And I came across a a bodybuilding book by a guy by the name of Joe Weider. 
Come to find out he was the mentor to Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I followed this book to the letter. And they was like, he was like, just increase your weights by 2.5 pounds. And I did it. And I think I started with like maybe 120 pounds. Then I moved up to 135 pounds. And before I knew it, I was bench pressing 225 pounds. Now gained all this muscle. And people started making compliments. And I go to school when school starts back. And I remember one of my female students made a, a female classmates made a, a comment. Man said, you ate your Wheaties over the summer, huh? I'm like, yeah, I sure did. But what that did for me, I don't know, like a light bulb went off. And it's affected me ever since that, you know, you can take a book and you can change your life. You don't have to stay where you're at. If you, can, you want to change at any time, you can just pick up a book, a course, anything you want, and you can just change your life. But I went from there, even though I was bigger, I still struggled with um, self-confidence and the mental. And, and I figured out, okay, you know how to get big and get muscles, but can you do the same thing with your mind? Can you, instead of bodybuilding, is there such a thing as mind building? And so I started picking up books and learning all this knowledge. And lo and behold, found out knowledge actually compounds. Just like I did the weights with 2.5 pounds, went from like 120 pounds, go to 225 pounds. And I don't mean to fast forward too much, but I got to the point where business people started coming to me for advice and started paying me for advice. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that example that you just gave and then related it to how you just did little bit of weight, little bit of weight increasing over time is really a powerful message to listeners is that if you are struggling, you know, just pick up a book, pick up, go to the Google, you know, find something that's calling out to you. And for you, you said confidence was something you struggled with and it had to do with your body, <laughs> tall yes. and lean. And mm -hmm. uh, so you started a whole process of change. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm, I'm hoping people can take today also is just the way that you model that change is possible and you, mm -hmm. you don't just flip a switch. You have to build muscle over time. You over have time. to, the brain has to acquire knowledge a little bit over mm -hmm. time. Well, what, how, how come you made the decision at that age to go into the military? What was that about? Uh, a couple of things. My mom actually reminded me of this uh, recently. So I was planning on, I had already got accepted to college. Well, I looked at all my relatives going to college and they were not finishing. And so I was on my way and I was still going to go. And I was talking to my mom about, hey, I'm about to go make some money right now. And my mom said, wait, baby, hold on, slow down. You don't make money in college. You're in there for four years. You're not making money. You're learning. Well, I always want to make money. I'm like, that don't make no sense. I, I graduated high school. I'm ready to go make some money. My mom's like, no, you don't make money in college, baby. You're there to study. And so that kind of deterred me. I'm like, well, I already know where to go. <laughs> I want to go make some money. And I wasn't always, let me see. Uh, today, I'm a little bit different than I was as a teenager. I was a little bit more mischievous. And I got into some trouble. And I talked to a lawyer. And I told the lawyer, hey, if I go into the military, you think the judge would be easy on me? And so he was like, yeah, sure, of course. And so there I am standing in front of the judge and I never wanted to go into the military. I, I, I'm sorry, I just really didn't want to go to the military. 
but I did not want to face whatever was on, in that judge's mind. I said, hey, um, I'm going, no, the, the, the lawyer approached the bench and talked to the judge to whisper in his ear. And the judge said, um, so you plan on going to the military, young man? I'm like, yeah. And he said, ask me something else. And I said, yeah. And he, he came out and said, do you think they're going to give you some, they're going to teach you to be more respectful? Or I said, yes, sir. I got what he was telling me. I kept saying, yeah, he wanted me. And I said, yes, sir. He's like, okay. And he let, he let me go scot-free from whatever mischievous thing I did. And, but going into the military, I went into the army and that's where it, 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 it really changed my heart. Um, I learned about service. I learned about people. I learned about different nationalities. And I learned um, about leading people. And it, it, it really changed me as, as, a, as a person. I'm very grateful to the military for that. Yeah, well, 20, 20 years. Before I go further and ask you a couple more things that are on my mind, um, I'd like to go back a little bit because you were talking about voice. And when you think about yourself and having a voice or not having a voice uh, during all those earlier years that you just uh, combed through, what what comes up about your voice? What do you have to say? So voice, I have to credit um, a guy by the name of Ted Pedroma, who you know, the LinkedIn expert. So while I was in the military about to get out, I was looking at LinkedIn and all your social media channels. And I was so nervous about what to post on LinkedIn. And I asked Ted, how do you, how does this LinkedIn and social media stuff work? And this is where we get into voice. And Ted asked me, well, when you go, you ever been to a networking event? I'm like, of course. He's like, and what do you do there? I mean, do you just give a business card to everybody? Or do you take time to talk to people and tell a story? I'm like, yeah. He like said, these are just people. They're not robots. They're people. And so... Ted taught me to share my voice, my authentic self. Well, because I was in the army at the time, I kind of felt like people looked down on military and Ted like, no, Cedric, you have a very unique story. You need to share that story with people and they would love it. So sure enough, I just started sharing my vulnerabilities, sharing things I've been through, just sharing my story. And oh my word, people started going crazy. I'm like, really? Y'all really want to hear this stuff? So just being my authentic self, that's the only way I know how to put it. I just, that voice, my voice is just me. Well, my sense is even up until when you first entered the military and even you, whatever mischievous thing that you did. But, you know, for me, my sense of you growing up is that you had a voice. You think so? Well, the way that you're talking about your spirit and yourself and uh, every, at teenagers and little kids don't really have so much. Uh, power in this world, (laughs) but you, because voice is also something we hear in our heads, you know, and that you heard something about hope and possibility. Mm. And uh, to me, that's what I I feel like. It wasn't a struggle for you to find your voice until you later in life where you had to use your voice to do Mm -hmm. what you wanted to do, which is business. And even right. that, that uh, well, I don't want to go to college if I'm not going to be able to make money right away. I mean, that was a voice that you listened to inside of yourself. And so it set you on that other path uh, along with, yes. you know, whatever, whatever the judge had to do with that. But so <laughs> later, later, you know, here you are coming out more full, 
I mean, in the military, it still feels like it could be, I don't know, kind of like a, a suit that you're wearing, an image, yes. a role that yes. you're playing. And yes. then out of the military, it's just like, okay, here I am. <laughs> Who am I? And and what do I have to say? And what do I want? And how do I say it in this world? And where am I going? There just seems to be so many questions. And you say you read uh, using quotes for those who aren't uh, seeing this, who are just listening, air quotes. You retired. And I'm not sure yes. those really quotes, but uh, what does that I mean? I retired. Oh, it's so cool. And so <laughs> I served 20 years in the military and I retired at the age of, I was either 30, 39. And I started getting a pension from the military. And so that's good and bad because I found out when you retire at like, let's just say 39 years old, that's not normal in today's society. When you just walking a dog around the neighborhood, everybody's like, this guy, is he like a bum or what? He's just walking around with this dog. And people always ask, you know, what do you do? And at first I would just say, hey, I'm retired. But then the question, they look at you, you're like, they're like, retired from what? <laughs> and, and you have this plan, retired from the army. And they're like, the, the younger crowd, they think it's the coolest thing ever, but that's what they want to do. They want to retire in their 30s. But I had a neighbor, he's right down the street. He's in his 70s and he was walking his dog and he had been dying to ask me, what, uh, excuse me, sir, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm retired. He's like, retired from what? Like, uh, from the army. And he's like, how old are you? I'm 39. Young man, I'm, I'm 70 years old. I'm supposed to be retired. I am retired. You, you're in your 30s. You need to go get a job. I and mean, he was really upset. And I'm like, seriously? And so, um, even my wife, she didn't want to tell people I retired because I would drop her off and I would just sit in the parking lot and read a book because I didn't have anything, really anywhere to go. And so lo and behold, my wife lost her job. And so even though I, I was consulting at the time, I had clients, my wife asked me, hey, um, what are we going to do? If, if you lose a client, what are we going to do? Because I no longer have a job. I'm like, I'm OK. I'll just get another another um, client. She wasn't OK with it. I'm like, are you serious? Like. Yeah. So I went out and got a job. So, well, it, partly that man, the neighbor was like an angel who yes. woke you up and said, There's more. You have more to do here, fellow, on this earth. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know, you want to talk about boy, but I got to tell you. So I've spoken. I mean, people have paid me to speak, people have paid me to help improve their business, people have paid me to write. I published a book. When I got a job, that's the only time my wife has told me she's proud of me. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? Everything I've done, I get a job and you tell me. She's like, well, I just, you're too young to retire, babe. <laughs> well, then let's uh, tell me about the book. So the book is Proven Sales and Recruiting Methods. So that's Ted Pedromo. I'm bringing him up again. He, he don't like me to give him a lot of credit, but I didn't think I had a story. He asked me, hey, so tell me your story. And I told him how I started out as a recruiter and I didn't know how to sell. I was so bad that a young lady walked in. She wanted to join the army, but after talking to me, she decided not to join, right? That's how bad I was. I was just absolutely terrible. But within, I think, a year or so, I became one of the top recruiters in that area, right? And so after telling Ted that, he like, dude, you need to write a book about that. And so I was still serving in the army and I was still recruiting and selling and doing all this stuff. So I wrote the book as I was doing it every day. So the book gets published 
and recruiters grab the book and they're they're following it step by step, <laughs> similar to what I did with the bodybuilding book. And they're writing to me like, I just made my quota, thank you. I just made mission, what they call it. And thank you. And then I started getting letters, I mean, emails and from people in the book. And they said they had the same results. I, I thought it only worked for military, but business people started picking it up and started writing me that, hey, they're getting results. So kind of cool. It's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, coming to the end of our time together today, darn it, feels like we could just uh, keep on dancing around here with ideas. And what would you like to communicate to the listeners today about voice? I would say everybody has something special about them. Even if you were like me, didn't think you had anything to value, um, value to add to the world. I believe everybody has something in them. And I think life kind of nudges you to try to get you to find that specialness. And I think it's up to us to listen to that, like you call it, that voice and take heed to it and take action to dig that gift out of us and present it to the world. And your life would change today. Like you say, find your voice, change your life. It's really true. Wonderful. Well, how do people find you, Cedric? Best way is LinkedIn. Go LinkedIn, type my name. Or you can just um, also on Amazon, type my name in Amazon, Cedric Cromley. But LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. And I would love to help people. Yeah, yeah. if I can. I know. And I, I can hear that love inside of you radiating out. Thank you so much for joining me and my audience today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.